It's a closed herd, which means that we don't introduce new females to it. We also operate under ISO 9000 standards. So we, we go through a lot of GMP manufacturing. We keep track of all the animals. They all have separate ID numbers. They all have genealogical records. We even track the, the lot numbers of the vaccines that each of them have received in their lifetimes. It's a, a little intense that way. And we haven't introduced new cattle to the herd. Well, we have a primary and a backup herd. So in the primary herd, we haven't an added animals to it. it live animals, uh, females, since 1975. And then on the, the backup herd, it's been 1992. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today is the first episode of a new season about companies related to medical manufacturing. Our guests are Mary and Jim Rickard, owners of Prather Ranch. Prather's closed herd, in which no female cattle have been introduced since 1975, enables it to sell cowbone and other organic matter to medical manufacturing companies that require material from disease-free animals. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I am honored to be with Mary and Jim Rickert, owners of Prather Ranch in Fall River Mills, California. I actually met Jim and Mary, I don't know, 10 years ago or eight years ago. We did a story with the print magazine about them. They have a very special herd. They're a ranch. They herd cattle and they're going to fill us in much better than than I can. But the reason I am talking to them, besides that they just have a really interesting story, is that we are doing a season now. This is the first episode where we're talking about uh, the medical sector of machining. So now we're going to we're going to show how a ranch in California, cattle ranch, has a very interesting connection to machining. So first, I just want to get a quick overview of Brather Ranch. Give me the, the three-minute story of the ranch. Then I want to I get into what it means to have a closed herd. So what, what, what's the story? What, what, what do you guys do? Well, the ranch is one of California's uh, original ranches and been actively operated as an agribusiness since the uh, 1860s. And actually, the name Prather Ranch goes back to a previous owner. And Mary and I got involved with it in 1979 as ranch managers uh, with, a, uh, with the ranch owner being uh, a man named Walter Rouse, who was in the supermarket business. 
And with that evolved over the years into a, a business relationship. And then after he passed away, we uh, acquired ownership of the property. It's a closed herd, which means that we don't introduce new females to it. We also operate under ISO 9000 standards. So we, we go through a lot of GMP manufacturing. We keep track of all the animals. They all have separate ID numbers. They all have uh, at birth. We have genealogical records. We even track wow. them the lot numbers of the vaccines that each of them have received in their lifetimes. Very interesting. It's a, a little intense that way. And we haven't introduced new cattle to the herd in what well, we have a primary and a backup herd. So in the primary herd, we haven't an, added animals to it. it uh, live animals, uh, females it, since 1975. And on the, uh, the other, the backup herd has been 1992. Okay. Well, well I, I don't understand. Uh, you have a primary herd and a backup herd. Right. Well, some of the companies have been concerned that if we had developed a disease in, in our primary herd, that the backup herd, we'd wanted a second, second because we were their only their exclusive supplier. Uh, they wanted the uh, extra comfort that basically they'd be able to uh, source uh, animal product from the backup herd. That we okay. Keep by, by keeping them separate from each other. Great. Okay. Back up. I want the definition of a closed herd for people because it, this was something I didn't really know about before. Well, the F FDA has a has a, a definition of a closed herd that uh, involves not contact with other animals, uh, other cattle. It has to have had uh, closed genetic material. As far as other contact with with other introduction of live animals to it for eight years, has to have a, a whole record keeping system like the one I described, where you you go into a lot of detail. And if an animal happens to be sick, you record that and you define that it has to have ingredients that go into the animals to feed, all that sort of thing. We we went through a lot of testing programs. We actually whole herd uh, in the early days. We went through and with our veterinarian, and we have an, a a uh, contracted veterinarian that's been looking at the herd. Uh, that firm has been our uh, veterinary firm since 1964. So we've uh, worked with these. We have a long-term relationship with a veterinarian. We've gone through and screened the herd for various bovine diseases back in the day and tested all of them. And then if we found something that had, was, was positive for bovine virus uh, diarrhea, for example, or BVD, uh, then we removed it from the herd. Uh, so we've and we've done this monitoring for a number of years to where we have we feel like we have animals that are extraordinarily healthy. In fact, it turns out to be that way. We have very little sickness in our herd and we graze the animals on the same locations year after year. And we work real hard at, care, at caring for them. Mm -hmm. One other thing, uh, Noah, is that um, we can only use our own um trucks and trailers to transport our cattle as they go from summer range to winter range. Wow. So that is um, imperative that we don't cross-contaminate with other... That makes total sense, though. Yes. Yeah. And then also uh, the different uh, winter ranges and summer ranges were very um, isolated from other cattle so that we can't have uh, animals getting in from neighbors. So we're really careful about isolating our cattle from other cattle for potential risk of exposure to any other illness or disease. Right. Because that's the thing you guys were saying before, how cattle graze and you might get some stray cattle from another ranch that right. wanders in and could mess yours up. 
Right. I mean, this is such an interesting topic right now, of course, you know, because you have people yes. talking about herd immunity. And yes. this, <laughs> this is the truest version of herd immunity, correct? Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we've, we've tried to achieve herd immunity during our career. And we have an intensive vaccination program where everything's vaccinated on a, on a regular basis. We keep track of all the vaccines they receive. So you're not anti-vaxxers then? You're pro-vax? No, we're not anti-vaxxers <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. So you have a main business where you, you'd say your main business is selling your beef products, yes? Yes. Okay. And then you have a second business where you're selling to uh, the medical industry. So first, I want to just talk about the the meat one uh, just a little more. So to keep your stuff so pure, you have your own slaughterhouse. No, Nobody has their own slaughterhouse along with their own ranch, do they? Not that I'm aware of. I think there might be a place that has a cattle ranch associated with it in, in somewhere in the South, uh, Alabama or Georgia or someplace like that. It's two different arts. I mean, one is being out there and raising the animals and the other one is. And the regulatory burden on USDA federally inspected slaughterhouses is an extraordinary task. I mean, it, mm. it, it does require, in a lot of ways, really two different mindsets. It's it's One's a, a completely different process than, than the extents. One's very intensive in a very small facility. Our facility is only about 5,000 square feet. The other is 30 some odd thousand acres. This gives us a really good idea now of what you're working with. And now you have another business in which I believe you phrased it to me before as that you are providing raw materials correct, for various companies. So the first time we interviewed you, maybe it was 12 years ago. It, it was a bit of a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were talking about how you would, people would actually use some of the bone uh, from your cattle to make bone screws or right. at least as part of the process. And of course, the reason is that it's pure. It doesn't have mad cow disease or who knows what in it. So then we can feel safe to use it in other things, putting it into our bodies, et cetera. So just explain that a little bit. I, you, you told me that the, that business is kind of like less growth and some other businesses are more growing, but but fill me in on what you were doing and now wh where things are going. Well, this, this whole concept for us started with the, uh, back in the day. 1990. Yeah, 1990 or so yeah. when the actresses and all of the ladies were getting dermal fillers made out of collagen. Oh, you mean in the lips, you mean? Yeah, yeah all that stuff. Well, it start, this really started there and we were approached by the Collagen Corporation, a Bay Area company, that uh, they wanted to have a clean source of supply. They had heard a little rumblings about an unknown cow disease in Europe, which turned out to be mad cow disease. And the last thing they wanted to do was to, uh, because there is no real way to denature, without destroying the, the item you're working on, to denature uh, mad cow disease, you know, from some kind of a treatment. You can't, you, there's no kill right. step for it without destroying the, uh, what whatever you're working on, in and the then case you can. But mad cow disease is weird, right? You can get it, and then you don't know you have it for ten years or something, or fifteen. Yes. The other side of it is, if you're a manufacturer and you're 
you're blissfully going along and all of a sudden you infect uh, <laughs> tens, of, tens of thousands of people, uh, that's a, a, a company-ending uh, event. An FYI to our thousands of listeners out there. We're always looking for new show sponsors, new ideas for episodes, and feedback. Obviously, positive feedback is nice, but if you have some constructive criticism, it's also really good. Feel free to send emails to the contact info on todaysmachiningworld.com. If they're interesting, maybe I'll read some on the air. Okay, so who popped up next? Well, uh, we've, had a, we've had a lot of players. We've, we've had, had, yeah, <laughs> we've done a lot of diff- we've done a lot of uh, bone work and tendons and pericardiums. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like so that. so tell me about the the bones. Well, there was a company that did uh, bone screws. It was part of a, a university a spinoff, and they made bone screws that they would uh, they were making them from both human cadaver bones, and they weren't getting the quality and the quantity they wanted from humans and they and then of course you always have the issue of, of of a human product that people normally uh donate their femurs so uh they they died from something and you don't want to have people that live to be 90 or plus years old their the quality of their bones were real good so you're usually you know the perfect thing was a uh you know was a, a busload of uh priests that were young that, that, that <laughs> an automobile accident someplace you know uh, and, and they didn't have Sorry, it. There was a fairly limited supply. And I always used to say, I said, well, we at least know where our cows are on a Saturday night. And yeah, so- exactly. No, people, people are gross. Look, <laughs> yeah. look at what's going on outside. People yeah. are just, people are disgusting. Yeah. I went to the supermarket last night with my wife and she was just like, I just want to get out of here. These people are just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we actually are a little biased, but we feel that bovine uh, raw materials are probably a superior product to um, t- human parts that they use. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's just our particular bias. Superior because superior because they're cleaner, or superior for other reasons. Well, we just have a lot more control over their behaviors. I guess is a good way to put it. <laughs> so that's just yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about personal freedoms when it comes to. No, that's right. No. That's correct. They don't. They, right. they, they don't get to a, go and complain to their to the to to the county no. and say we don't want they to be are. vaccinated. Yeah, um, that's right. That's right. <laughs> there no, you go. no, this it's mandatory vaccination. If you could be restrained, you got vaccinated in our system. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So they were using human bone. They were using. They started. Uh, they came to you and they were taking some cow bone. So how does this work? Well, the, there's still a little bit of a problem under that. When they were making them directly out of cow bones, that there still was a little bit of a problem. Occasionally, they'd have a rejection. You, so, your, so your would body they, would recognize that, that it's a foreign material. The cow would bone they was, take? And, well, would they take these cow bones? I want to just understand, like, yeah, how visualizing they take the cow bone. And then they cut it into like a bar and then they stick the bar into an actual machine and it machines it out. Yes. So it looks like a screw or a pin or a plate or something like that. Does it look brown like 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 it came from bone or does it? No, it's 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 actually very it's very, very white. White. It actually they, white. they really do a lot of clean cleansing of taking yeah. most of the 
what they try to do is is denature denature the bone so that it's just yeah. a, a calcium. That makes sense. I'm just thinking of like the steak I ate last night, like the rib steak, and just picturing yeah. oh, you know, they made a screw out of that. But that makes sense. Yeah, and it's usually uh, fever bones, and so we would send the raw material big, these big fever bones, big dense bones, which gave you a lot of material to work because human bones are much smaller, and so you don't have quite the strength. And of course, we're able to select them at the prime of life, so that they they're we we can we know exactly what we're getting. Okay, so the bone screw goes in, and then it's supposed to dissolve into the bone. Over time, that was... yeah, over time it 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 gets uh, absorbed. Absorbed. Now they still had this. They still were dealing with this rejection thing. So a group of young folks on the East Coast came up with another thing, and this is in stage three trials now, where they take the bone and they. This is a different company. Right. A, so, so the first thing, company. right, they're not doing that as much anymore. They're, they're, right. they're using more synthetic. So they're, they're right. just growing it in a lab. Is that how they're doing it? Or Well, I, don't, I think they're making them out of ceramics and other different things. And, and, and they're still having the rejection issue a little bit. There's just a percentage of people whose immune system reject uh, these materials. Whether you have a steel screw or whatever, you, there's, a, there's a level of people that don't their bodies just don't accept these uh, right. foreign materials. Okay. So these young people came up with this concept. and We've been working with them now maybe four years, Mary. So that's the other thing. This is a long process. Not only you don't get, there's no instant gratification. I mean, when you, whether we're raising cattle or working with these startup companies, and most of them are startups, uh, it's a long process to get through <laughs> all the FDA stuff. Everything is it just takes time. Many you years. Guys, you guys seem like patient folks. Well, you just have to be. I try to have a sense of urgency, but you you got to know when to when to push and when to when to. At some point, you just got to accept it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So the, so the concept these folks came up with, which is I think is really exciting, is they will say you're missing a you got, got crushed a bone in your finger. Uh, one of because it's easier for me to explain. You crushed one of those bones. Okay, and they end up using some kind of uh, device to figure out exactly what that they, they, they will X-ray it, scan it, whatever to I think figure they out. They kind of do a three D imaging kind of a process, is what. I think. And they figure out what it was, maybe by using say it's in one finger, they you go to the other one on the other hand or something and look at it. You're so you're saying like something something fell on somebody's hand and the whole thing just kind of right. just turned to mush. Yes. Right. So they would they want to recreate so, your. So they bone. go and they they start out with a cow bone and they machine a exact based on what they the scan has come up with they they make an exact replica except slightly smaller. Okay. Uh, by some some small percent, then they go to the the uh, your fat cells and they find uh, they extract some undifferentiated. T cells, which are just mm -hmm. generic cells that that aren't sure who they're, what kind of cell they're going to be. Aren't they for the immune system? Well, yeah, but they're like you always they hear about be, AIDS they, patients. They don't have the T cell. The T cells are bad. Yeah, so they 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 extract these undifferentiated cells, which are basically just uh, cells that don't know what they're going to be yet. Okay. And they take them out of your body fat, which seems to be convenient. A lot of people have a little extra. I certainly do. Um, <laughs> and so they take it out of the body fat and they extract those 
And then they take a 3D printer and they print over the top of the uh, cow bone all these undifferentiated cells. It very precisely. So it, it's it's a little coating over. This the is whole where thing. this is where the stuff gets so far out to me. You're like 3D oh, printing man, cells is, is, and yes. And then they put some secret sauce on it of some sort. And they they say they incubate it. I don't know what the word what that means exactly, but they put it into they they kind of put it in a medium, and in that process, the secret sauce and the bones, the cow bones, signal to the undifferentiated your own personal undifferentiated cells that hey, uh, I need you need to be a, a bone cell, and they convert themselves from undifferentiated uh, un cells to bone cells and they're your bone cells with the cow bone in the middle of it all wow then they implant that back in your body and they have uh, virtually no rejections from that wow what is this secret sauce do you know the secret i, I don't know i don't know <laughs> the i don't know the secret i think we'd have to go back to school for that one. yeah you just you just can't tell me I, I I don't know, and I can't tell you. And if I uh, I don't know You'd what have it to is, kill me. probably have to kill you if we did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's there's a lot of exciting applications with various, um, basically uh, bovine body parts, but it's uh, it's always new and interesting. We've uh, recently shipped. They're doing some research and development with some blood over in Hong Kong, and it's just all kinds of interesting things that. Uh, we got approached by a company. We haven't. Uh, we, we're probably not going to move forward with them because of volume and location where we are. We're too far for them. But you know, they wanted to do something for hearts. Uh, basically, it was a collagen product. So it, it's just all kinds of various applications that improve the quality of life for human beings. Yeah. And so we we really enjoy being part of that and uh, feeling that not only do we raise these animals for kind of a premium beef product, but we also raise them. Uh, so that we can improve the health and well-being of people too. Right, and it seems like it's the ethical, moral thing to do too. Is if you're raising an animal and you're taking its life, it seems like we have a responsibility to utilize it as fully as possible and respect its the fact that you know it's been it's been part of our under our stewardship. So we had some obligation to uh, uh, give it a high quality life and maybe one bad day. And yeah. Noah, I just want to mention too <laughs> may, that I may, think, maybe one bad day. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot, as humans, I've had more than one bad day. I don't know about you, but I, I just want to emphasize that <laughs> since 2003, we've been certified humane from Humane Farm Animal Care, and so we go through an annual audit every single year. So there's a third part, party auditor that comes in to reassure our customers that everything we do is to re- raise these animals in a humane manner. And that's a really important part of our whole philosophy on the ranch is to handle these animals gently and give them the best quality of life that we could possibly give them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any there are there any other things? Are you, you were you doing dental implants with the? Yes, we have another company that takes bones, and they actually it's not a dental implant. What it is is the bondo that connects the uh, the dental implant. That was created to the jaw. There, you, you never can fit them just perfectly. So this company takes uh, cow bones and adds their version of secret sauce and makes a <laughs> oh, the secret sauces. Yeah. Well, everybody has a different secret sauce. Every company they don't share their secret sauce recipes with us. 
but they usually do order steaks when they when they get their products shipped. They like us. Yeah, a lot of times we in. have to throw some meat into the, into okay. the delivery. So here's what I'm wondering. I have a few a few beef questions. Uh, does female beef and male beef taste the same? I would say yes, Mary. For, what the, you- for the most part, that's that's like one of those age old questions. <laughs> a lot of people wonder: Does Angus beef taste different than Hereford uh, cattle? And we we've gone round and round on that, but. I don't even know the difference. How it that, really doesn't. I, I would say. I that would say the big difference. Once in a while, we, we have a, beef quality comes from how the animals are handled before they're slaughtered. Okay. You want you want to handle them very very gently, and very quietly, before so that they have a minimum amount of stress, so that they end up with, uh, you can get high levels of of stress hormones and cortisols and things like that that happen. When you put the animals under stress, we make a big deal about that. What about like, um, so like the Japanese that rub their cattle with the beer? Sure. That's, that, that, <laughs> re- that, that's relief. We don't do that, but that relieves stress for the cattle. What, what's your favorite uh, cuts of beef for you to eat? Well, I like a filet mignon. And Jim and I, if, if they have a few extra or somebody, the butcher kind of, the guys that's, that's doing the meat cutting he kind of has a package that maybe doesn't look just so they kind of uh-huh. keep the yeah. odds and ends so jim and i get the odds yeah, we, and ends. we get the odds and ends the uh, i like a fillet as well what about you jim i, I you know a new yorker rib steak is kind of my favorite on this but although i i'll yeah. tell you what if you get really good dry aged hamburger and and get the uh hamburger from the right that you, you want to have the mixture of uh, lean and fat just right and you want to have the fat from the right location on the body now, if you've ever been around really low cost hamburger and you put it in a pan and it, you cook a big patty and it becomes a very small patty with a, a lot of liquid yeah that's because they've used fat the fat they've added to that uh, lean meat has been from the internal organs and inside the body cavity before we wrap it up just a, a couple other questions uh, what is something interesting that you learned in the last week in terms of anything well we've we've had two of our employees uh come be positive for covid uh taking out a third of our workforce on the cutting room and i'm learning a lot about how we deal with uh all the state regulations and stuff about that (laughs) so i'm i'm getting very educated on that particular subject well one thing that i monitor closely is the weather Right now, uh-huh. and and I've learned that it's you know maybe in ten days we might get some showers, but if that that to me is is a very high priority. It's one of the first things I grab my phone and make sure that uh, I check my weather forecast. That's yes. a big deal for us. Say you were at a restaurant and you were on the road and you didn't for some reason you were it was an emergency and you didn't have any you didn't know what the heck where this meat came from. Would you be afraid to eat it? I'm very hesitant to order beef uh, at a restaurant. I usually order. Interesting. I, I order fish or other dish or, yeah. or basically vegetarian. Is that and, because you think you're going to be disappointed in it? Or is that because you don't think it's good for you? Uh, I think it's both. I think partly is I'm not sure where it, where it came from. And I know way too much about the process. And I'm very partial to our beef. And I feel very confident. I always, when I have a friend or relative order our beef. And I always kind of have a sense of satisfaction that I know 
that they're that are eating healthy. I know um, we make sure that our grandchildren get are, are eating our beef just because we feel very confident that that what they're eating is a really healthy product for them. Uh, so your answer your answer is you generally don't eat other right. beef. Yeah. Uh, now I'm a little different. I'm, I'm probably not. You're just like, yeah, whatever. It looks yeah, good. Yeah, you know, I mean, I would be totally, uh, if, you know, we had a deer killed in front of me on the road and I was not hungry, I don't think I'd, I'd go starve before I eat a little roadkill. I wouldn't have, uh, you know. Jim's not as discerning. I, I'm not as discerning as Mary is. Let's put it that way. I'm pretty picky. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to tell your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch videos of extended interviews. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is William Steffi. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. 